Baltimore. 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 Welcome to Unpacking the Box Podcast, Season 5, Baltimore Love. This is Linnea, your host, and thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, you are in store for something so great. I am repping my city where I was born and raised. Let's go. I'm here with Opportunity Culture Coach, LaQuisha Hall. Hello, Queen. How are you? Hi, Queen. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, you too. I'm excited to talk to people, period, in the middle of this pandemic. So. <laughs> right. I know, right? I'm ready for it to be over, okay? Go away. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so... I came across your page because someone shared something on your page and that's how I, I found out about you. And I, and I was doing this whole season about Baltimore. I was like, I have to reach out to her because you are doing some amazing things that inspired me. And so I knew that you would inspire others. So I just had to have you on. So I thank you uh -huh. so much. Thank you for inviting me. That's so sweet. <laughs> yes, of course. So before we get started, I just want to know for the people, you know, who don't know, where are you from? Yeah, because you can hear it, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm from North Carolina, actually the home of Pepsi, which is New Bern, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people are not familiar with the area. So I always have to put it in connection with another place. So it's about two and a half hours from Raleigh. Um, okay. I am... Oh, that's all you asked. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's all good. I was about to give you the rundown. <laughs> like, it's all good. So, tell me, like, how you got to Baltimore. How we? How do we get from, you know, North Carolina to Baltimore? Tell me about that. 
Yes, that's what I was getting ready to tell you, girl. Because listen, I I'm not a city girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, essentially, I I went to Elizabeth City State University, which is an HBCU in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that I was on my way to law school from there. I had gotten accepted to Regent University and had kind of just like sealed the deal with them. Mm-hmm. The last week before I graduated, um, a dear friend of mine who worked at the university shared with me this opportunity in Baltimore for it was an alternative certification program called Project Site Support. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for uh, people who were graduating that were interested in teaching and getting their master's degree. And what would happen was uh, if I if I did five years of teaching, I would get my master's degree for free. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about my life, honey. I was like, <laughs> I either go to law school and take on some more student loans <laughs> and try to work and, and, and suffer through this. Or I can have start a career now and get my master's degree for free. So of course, that's the route I took, and this was offered through Morgan State University. So yes. uh, once I got accepted into the program, I I traveled on up here in a U-Haul truck with my little bit of stuff. And oh my goodness, I'll never forget that day. I remember going up like a main road. It was like a Cold Spring Lane or something, and. Mm-hmm. I, I saw these row houses and I was just like, um, uh. <laughs> like, where am I? <laughs> I had never seen a row house before. I, it was just so many new things. And essentially that's how I ended up becoming a teacher as well. Okay. And so tell me, since you've been in Baltimore, like what has your experience been like as far as like what when you think of the beauty in Baltimore, like what do you what do you what are your what first comes to mind? When you say beauty, I think about the art culture in Baltimore as well as and I this might sound cliche, but I promise you this is my heart held truth. My kids, the scholars that I taught over the years, um, they are the beauty of Baltimore to me because I know that they're going to turn into the leaders that Baltimore needs. And so uh, my experience overall, honestly, didn't start so great. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a, I, I suffered from the culture shock real bad. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I came here smiling at everybody, trying to hug everybody. You know, it's the culture in the South and people were like not having it here. So <laughs> I, you know, I was sad by it because I felt like that was like a norm and people weren't like, I felt like they were rejecting me. <laughs> and um, when I went into teaching, you know, the, even the culture in schools uh, was different from what I was used to in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I just, on many days in that classroom on the third floor with no air <laughs> and that old desk that people had carved their names into because of course I got all the furniture that all the teachers that had been established didn't want. <laughs> I just sat back in that chair and just looked and like thought about like what <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> like what did I get myself into? <laughs> but you know what? I honestly I have to say that anything that we endeavor to do in the newness of it will be foreign, can be 
unsettling sometimes and, and maybe even uncomfortable. However, if you remain persistent, which is what I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the outcome can be positive and, and, and essentially that's what happened. I didn't, I didn't start the teacher that I am now. Of course, uh, it only took me about a good semester, to be honest, though, to learn the mistakes that I was making. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I made mistakes, of course, over the years. But early, you know, in my first semester, I was a bit too Southern. I was just too Southern, honey. I was ready to bring all the kids pie. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they were just like, what? Oh, you're really nice. So, you know, they were a little rambunctious. Yeah, And then the second semester, I learned from observing other teachers in my school that the more stern teachers had more control. And so I adopted this personality that was not mine. And basically, I was performing every day and I was too stern and it turned my scholars off. And so finally, the next year, I kind of balanced it with some more with a little bit more love, but I was still stern. And I started to find my teaching stride in that second year. Mm-hmm. By my fourth year, I had left that school and um, to take on a position that was offered to me as a department lead at another high school. So, oh, awesome! Well, I'm glad you stayed with it. You know, you kept with it because <laughs> yeah. it's so funny because. I was just talking to Nicole about this. We were talking, she was on a show, um, previous show, like a couple shows back. And she, we were talking about how, you know, people in Baltimore, they are really nice. But when it's somebody that doesn't look familiar or somebody has a different accent, they don't look like they belong. Then it's like, okay, well, I don't know if we trust them. Who, who, <laughs> Papa, who sent her? <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly how I was <laughs> Right. But you know, you stuck with it. And so that's amazing. Yeah, thank that's you. Amazing. You know what? It was it was God's plan, in my opinion. I, I really think so. I, I believe that he had his hand over the whole thing. Even mm-hmm. those days when I, you know, sat back in that chair with the ugly desk and thought about my life. <laughs> Listen, my first job, like my first summer job, the first job that I ever got was like cleaning schools. I, I think it was, I can't remember, but I think it was like Roland Park by like the Eddie's uh, grocery store. Yeah. And <laughs> I just remember, I don't want to see another desk, like names in the desk, gum, all type of stuff. Like I still have nightmares. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I never want to see. I get triggered. Okay. When I see those yeah. desks, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, even that was a process. I'll be honest with you. Like I I came from a a home where my mother made us clean the walls. Okay, Mm -hmm. so like no one normally cleans walls. You'll you'll wash dishes, you know, vacuum. Mother also had us clean the walls. I need you to understand what I'm saying. And so, um, you know, when I walked into these classrooms and saw people's names on desks and stuff, it just took, it threw me for a loop. And... I've realized over the years, though, that the environment that you create for young people, they will honor if it's created in in a, in a space where they know you care. So, like, I look for deaths that didn't have marks on them and, and weren't damaged and weren't rocky and all of that. And I, and I noticed and, and discovered that kids took care of my room, even when I was out and I had a substitute, a sub you know, when I came back with say, I don't know what you said to these kids, but they were like, y'all better clean up this room before this room comes mm-hmm. back. 
and I think a little bit of my perfectionism comes out in that as well so but that speaks volumes to the type of person that you are and the type of environment that you created for them so that's that's inspiring you know because not everyone can do that that's a gift thank you know? lord I thank him for it yes <laughs> like we thank you <laughs> yes so I digged into your story because I just thought you were so amazing and I'm like reading all these amazing things that you're doing but I also read about the the struggle and the pain like you are the epitome of someone that turned their pain into power right so I want you if you're comfortable can you tell the people a little bit about your past and your story oh absolutely always comfortable because at this point as much as it was a struggle and a pain it's now a testimony and so mm -hmm. you know um, I believe in sharing testimonies to um, encourage other people to keep going so I, I came from a very trauma-filled past. Um, my The household that I grew up in while I was in the South and it was middle class was filled with domestic violence um, between my parents as well as uh, they eventually divorced when I was 12, mm -hmm. which led to uh, someone entering the home, gaining the trust of my mom and then abusing, sexually abusing me from the age of 14 to 16 which is when I left home and I became a ward of the state. Um, at that point, you know, some people will hear that part and think like, oh, you were like a wayward child probably at that point. Uh, but I literally uh, left my mother's house, went to my father's house just for a place to live and, and be safe. And um, every now and again would stay with friends. Ended up graduating from high school and not sharing with anyone what had transpired, what the real reason was behind my leaving home. I shared with my, with my mom when I finally told her that the reason I left was because she was taking all the money I was making, uh, you know, as a teenager. And, you know, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't I didn't work at like McDonald's, girl. I was like a secretary for a school. I was making some good money. And, and I just was so upset when my mother would take that check. Talking about you got to help support the house. And I was just like, what you mean? I just right. <laughs> didn't want to do the work. <laughs> so anyways, um, I remember when I turned 18, I was getting ready to go off to college. My father and I were watching a Lifetime movie that had a rape scene. Of course, it wasn't graphic, but it was a little too much for me at the time and very triggering. And so um, I started crying out of nowhere. I don't even know. I didn't even know where the tears came from. I just knew that the emotion was heavy because I felt for the, the girl in the in the movie. Mm -hmm. And my dad was looking at me very intently and he said, Quisha was wrong. And I said, oh, nothing. It's, you know, this is really sad what was happening. And he just kept looking at me like he just couldn't buy that my, the way I was crying was because the movie was there. He kept looking and looking and I started just to feel overwhelmed with his him looking at me like that. So I finally just said it, I just said it. I, that happened to me too. And when I told him that, I, I, you know, it was just like another discovery. Like you would imagine, and I thought from the age of 14 to 18, all those years, always imagine what would happen when I finally told someone about you know the abuse i just imagine that my the abuser would go to jail and this would all be over and we move on and people would like kind of help me through it that is not what happened <laughs> so my dad of course um uh, was upset 
and contacted, you know, the authorities. But uh, because he, again, was a family friend at, on my mother's side, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I was not believed. And so I felt like I was fighting to get my family to understand that I was telling the truth. And so once I discovered that wasn't going to happen, I, I, I left for college. I left with that baggage. And I get to my freshman year of college and I can't take it mentally. Like I'm thinking about how stressful it is to be in college. And, you know, I'm new to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about how alone I felt. You know, you would hear and see other young ladies in your dorm getting calls and gifts and packages from family. And I'm just kind of like on my own. And that was overwhelming. And then honestly, I... I just didn't know who to turn to and for what reason. And so I started to feel like I had no reason to be alive. And so at some point um, in in my freshman year, a little more than halfway through, I wrote letters to family members, left them on my desk in the dorm. And I took over a hundred pills in an effort to uh, end my life. I just felt like it was nothing to move on for. And my, roommate had come back and noticed that she couldn't get in. I had the uh, all the locks done. Mm-hmm. We had to break into our dorm room. I was told that I was found foaming at the mouth, laying on the bed. And um, of course, in, I was embarrassed by it, but I mean, it was necessary. They, I was taken out um, by ambulance of the dorm on a stretcher. <laughs> and so I was in the hospital for several days. I remember them asking me uh, you know, once I, you know, kind of recovered, they were like, you know, you have to sign this statement saying that you're not going to attempt suicide again. Mm-hmm. If you don't sign the statement, we can't release you. If you do, we will. My roommate was in the room with me and she was my, such a good friend to me at that time. And she said, she said, Quisha, please sign the paper. And I just, in my heart felt that I couldn't guarantee that I wasn't going to try that again but I did it for the sake of leaving the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I went uh, into my sophomore and junior year. And in my junior year, um, I gave my life to Christ at an apostolic church in the boondocks of North Carolina. And when I tell you, they were tearing the floor, the street, the grass, all the stuff up to praise the Lord. And so (laughs) I felt like I had found a family Mm -hmm. and um, that was really the, the, the silver lining that kind of got me to starting to rediscover myself in a different way, see myself the way God sees me and see myself as valuable. Well, I'm so glad you're still here. Girl, because we need you. Know you. What? I am too, because I would have missed out on my husband and a whole lot of stuff like that. I'm re- that I really like. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sis. Thank God you're still here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He had a plan, certainly. So. Yes, he did. So. I want to get into the work that you're doing currently, which is just, I mean, it's just out of this world. But before we do that, I want to give the listeners just, you know, a piece of who we in company in today, who we in the midst of today. Okay. We're going to read down the list. Okay. Cause listen, y'all sis wears many hats. Okay. (laughs) I'm tired. Okay. Sis is an author. Okay. She's an author. She's the founder of Coutured Confidence. She's an award-winning community leader. 
She's won three national pageant titles, one being Mrs. Essence 2013. She empowers women and the youth. Um, she also is the founder of She Rose Awards, which also celebrates survivors. And she has a nonprofit, the Queen of Tea. You have your master's degree. And please, you know, you can fill in any holes. I mean, because I was like, listen, okay, sis, I mean, can't get inspired by that if that doesn't motivate people like I don't know what will because that's you know even myself because I'm also one of the things that drew me to you was because you empower women and the youth and I also you know empower women I do that as well that's some of the work that I do and which is amazing work and so that just inspires me just to keep going because sometimes I do get tired um and I know that sometimes, you know, you do have to practice self-care and you do have to rest. I was just talking to one of my good girlfriends, Kiana, about this. But at the same time, just seeing all the work that you have accomplished um, just makes me even more inspired to know that I have to keep going because this is important work and we have to do this. Absolutely. And, you know, I think about um, prolific African-American people from our history and how much they had to do just to fight for their freedom. And on those days when I when I become weary, I, I just kind of think about how they probably couldn't even sleep in peace like I can, right? Because, you know, there was always a threat of violence. And, um, you know, in those moments, I compare my tiredness to what could have been the tiredness of the people before me. And I kind of just, that's one of the things that motivates me to keep going. And then also, there are some very prolific people right now that are in my space who are like 20 times as amazing as what you just described. I don't know how they do what they do with families and all of that. And they inspire and motivate me to move forward as well. And I'm not even talking about like people that our um, society looks up to like you know, uh, a Michelle Obama and a Beyonce or people like that. I'm talking about people in Baltimore who are doing great mm-hmm. things that I have the honor of being associated with. They inspire me as well. And so I kind of keep my eyes on the people who are eye level, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. and I, I use their inspiration to, to keep myself motivated as well. And also when you, when you do the amount of stuff that you just described mm-hmm. the self-care has to look different as well so it can't just be <laughs> right you know what people are saying self-care is on the internet you know uh it's not just polishing your nails because that <laughs> definitely would not be enough to get me going <laughs> right so, it's deeper for sure absolutely you have to take care of your spiritual self um number one to me uh, also your mental health I, that is so important for me because it, it's so easy for me because of my traumatic past to slip in and out of different um, I, ideologies of myself and, and things like that so I have to keep always encouraging people empowering people in front of me empowering texts and if it's not necessarily empowering it has to be educational so I keep that kind of content in front of me those kind of people and um and consider what uh our ancestors went through as well so mm-hmm. <laughs> i love it yes i love it so tell us what a opportunity culture coach does like what does your job entail and how are you impacting people 
I'm so glad you asked that because I feel like nobody cares about this work. They, <laughs> <laughs> Let the weekend. Listen, they just wanted to know what I did with students. And I was just like, y'all, I'm doing something else now. Like, so, and I find this, this work equally important. Um, so now I coach teachers and they're not just teachers. They are teacher leaders. Um, they're called MCLs, which stands for multi-classroom leaders. So these are teachers who are like teachers of the year. They're all equally uh, amazing, have great data and how they've moved kids. And what they do is they are um, <clears throat> hired by different schools mm -hmm. to support multiple teachers on the staff to alleviate that stress of um Number one, working alone as a teacher, and number two, the principal having to do all of the professional development. And so my role essentially is to support them in supporting their teachers. And initially when I took this on, I was not sure because I was like, I think I need to be around kids. But <laughs> mm -hmm. I have appreciated it because I have found that the, the type of work that I did with young people certainly transfers to adults as well as uh, a lot of what I did sharing that with adults has helped them identify ways to further the support that they're offering in their schools and so um, that's what I'm doing now on the computer every day a meeting every other hour <laughs> yes that's good work there that's great work that's Thank great you. work yes so for someone who may be lost when it comes to, you know, finding our purpose, because as we know, it is hard to find our purpose. Like it took me years to find out my purpose. And then even then I was kind of questioning it. So you kind of don't fall into that. You know, it, it's like that pivotal moment that we all have and we know we're supposed to be doing this thing. Um but like, what advice would you give to someone who is just lost and they don't know even they can't even figure out how they can even find their purpose? Um, one of the things that I want to start with is our purpose isn't like sitting in a box waiting for us to open it. So <laughs> mm -hmm. we actually start living our purpose before we discover what it is. And so what I mean by that is I actually had talked to some young people earlier today about this. I told them to identify three things. First, make a list of things that they love. And it could be anything from your parent all the way down to fried chicken, you know. So what is it that you love? And then in between, you know, they say things like, I love electronics, I love um, singing, or whatever the case may be. And that list can be exhaustive. You know, write as much as you can of the things that you love. The second thing I always ask people is, uh, what is a topic that you are super knowledgeable about right now without research that you could talk to me about for a long time? And so people will identify all these different things. Like today with the young people, um, there was a young man who shared with me, I can talk to you about electronics. I can tell you how to take a computer apart, put it back together. And I was like, oh, now listen, first of all, call me. I need to stay connected to you. <laughs> right you want to be like a billionaire one day <laughs> so yes um but you know we don't we don't even consider that when we think about our passion we think it has to be something that looks like somebody else's purpose or passion right uh so we think that it always has to look like 
mentoring young people or being a teacher, you know, all of these different things. Your purpose could be designing, illustrating video games and programs on a computer, rebuilding computers. That could be your purpose. Um, and you are still affecting change because without that refurbished computer, there are a lot of people out here that cannot get work done, right? So you're helping people through what you're super knowledgeable about. And then the last thing I tell them to consider is their goals. Um, what, what goals do you want to meet? And it could be anything from where you want to go to school all the way up to how you want your home life to look as an adult. And so when you put all those things together, somewhere in there you've mixed in things that you like to do, things that you like to see, things that you can talk about easily, goals that you want to meet. Somewhere in there is your purpose. Mm -hmm. Where you can pick that thing up, or things in my case, <laughs> and use it to not only help other people, but have a reason to wake up in the morning and feel good about what you're doing, right? So some people work at a job that they hate, and um, or they work with uh, in an environment that they can't stand. And so usually that leads to you knowing that that's not your final destination, right? And you might still be seeking. Um, a lot of times it's right under our nose. It's, it's sometimes that thing that we do when we go home. So maybe you um, write in a journal all the time about how frustrated you are with work. Well, have you considered writing a book? Maybe your purpose is becoming an author. Um, and then I think also one of the things that we need to consider is when you are spiritually connected, and, and I'm just going to say spiritually connected, I have a, a specific spiritual connection, but I'm just going to make this general for mm -hmm. anyone who's listening. If that connection is strong, that connection will lead you to your purpose, right? So mm -hmm. you'll come across people who constantly remind you of it. You know, I, I'm a teacher in Baltimore and people are coming into my classroom and they just don't they couldn't stop talking about my handwriting and how um, creative my classroom was. And so I'm also an artist. I knew that I was an artist when I was young. What happened was I allowed people to infiltrate my mind with the artists don't make money idea. And so I stepped away from that to pursue what I thought was a more substantial uh, career. And as a result, my purpose kept resurfacing. I'm a creative and I use creativity to support others. Mm -hmm. And it came back full circle. It, it didn't matter what, what I tried to do. If I was in a pageant, I was creative with my wardrobe. If I was in school, I was creative with my lesson plans. If I was talk, if I was doing a presentation, I was creative in the way I presented it. And so my purpose was to use my talent, which is art, to inspire and empower others. And I, that was something that I was constantly doing on my own, the thing that made me happy at home. But it was something also that I felt that I couldn't present to the world because the world wouldn't accept it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I also, another piece of advice I would like to give is, um, one of the things that I recently shared on a different podcast is that I used to stand on other people's shoulders because I saw them as giants. I was like, oh, wow, you're so powerful and amazing. I need to be where you are. So I would get on their shoulders and try to see the world from their view. 
it wasn't until I got off their shoulders that I realized that we were the same height. I didn't need to stand on anyone's shoulders in order to be great. Everything that I saw in that person was in me. And honestly, a lot of times what we see in other people is embedded within us. And that's good or bad, right? <laughs> and so yeah. um, I think it's important for us to not try to see from other people's view what our purpose should be. I think a lot of times we compare uh, you know, somebody might look at being an artist as not being impactful enough to be a purpose. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how your purpose can be used to impact others until you actually walk in it. And so I wanted to to share that as well, that this has to come from your site, not someone else. Yes, you are dropping some very important gems because especially when we live in, you know, the world of social media, there there is a yeah. lot of comparison going on. And, and and that's a lot of people's, you know, thought process, their mindset. They think that all these people are doing these amazing things and impact kind of looks different, you know, for everyone. It's different and it comes mm-hmm. in different forms. So I agree. I agree. It so, comes in different volumes as well. Some people think if I don't make it to Beyonce status and I haven't done enough. Well, I made it a Baltimore City status. Whatever school district a teacher teaches in, they have made impact. Mm-hmm. Our impact levels are different, but they are still all vital to our society being successful. Without having positive role models in front of them, in front of our young people, we don't know if what we say on a day motivates them to keep going. You know, uh, on days where they may feel the way that I did as a young person, where I want to give up on my life. And so it's important for us to, to understand volumes of impact as well. Mm, yes, very important. Now, when you are not busy doing all the work that you're doing, like, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to give you a truth. And then I'm going to tell you, you know, the, one, <laughs> the thing that um, I tell people you know, people in these interviews. So <laughs> I used to like fussing on social media about black history. Um, <laughs> I have not done that since January 1st, 2021, because that was one of my goals for the year. And I'm so proud of myself. But um, honestly, uh, one of the things I really, really like to do is I love reading. I've already read 10 books. It is February 5th for this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I also love art. As I mentioned, I try to do something creative daily. And I love my husband. So I try to spend time with him and our cat at some point every single day. And um, I feel terrible on the days that I can't. So I do enjoy spending time with him. And even in the virtual world, I find myself still seeking sometimes that time. Right. So mm-hmm. those are my favorites. Yes. Well, you know, you got to have some stuff that you can do just to, you know, unwind and have a good time. I love it. Yes. (laughs) All right. So we come to my favorite part of the show. I do this with every guest. It's called Unpack Your Box. So basically what that is, is you get one minute just to say whatever you want to say, whatever you feel compelled to release. You can say whatever. Whatever you're ready Yep, go ahead. <laughs> yep. All right. So um, I'm going to share something that's been on my heart since God told me who I was. And I believe okay. him. Um, you were not born to stay on concrete. You were born to walk on gold. 
what that means is where you go should change, what you do should change, and your place in the world is higher than what you may see it to be. And a golden place is where your spiritual life resides. And so I believe in walking in places that see us for who we are, which are kings and queens. Yes, get into it. Are y'all listen? She she dropped all the gems during this episode. I hope y'all are receiving all of this. Okay. Yes. Thank you so. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. So I have had so much fun talking to you. I learned so much. I am deeply inspired by you, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me. Thank you, dear, and it was a pleasure. Yes. But before you leave, tell the people where they can reach you if they want to keep up, you know, all your your handles, your website, all that good stuff. Uh, my website is my name, LaquishaHall.com. And I also have Instagram account for education for the teachers that might be listening. That's at Mrs. Hall Scholars. And then I also have an art account, which is extremely popular. It's my most popular account. And um Confident Canvas is the handle. And you can find that on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes. Follow her, you guys. Support her. She's amazing. Make sure you guys check her out. Um, I will put all of her handles in the show notes so that you guys can get to her. Um, I'm going to make sure that I can stay connected with you and keep up with you, Queen. Yay! We're going to be friends. (laughs) Yes, we are. Yes! Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I'm so excited. All right, so... That's it. We are out, y'all. Hold up. Before you leave, subscribe to your girl's podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And also keep up with me on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. You can also keep up with your girl on Clubhouse. I host rooms. I pop in and out of rooms, you know, connect with your girl. My name on there is Queen Wolf. And that's with two F's like Frank. And you can also email me if you want to collab, you want to work with me, you have a business opportunity, like let's work. If you know me, you know I'm about getting that work done, collabing, you know, let's uplift each other, let's support each other. You can email me directly at unpacking the box podcast at gmail.com. And if you need help with uh, your uh, creative side, you know where to reach me at Queen Wolf. LLC. My website is Queen Wolf. That's two F's uh, like Frank dot com. You know, but um, if you follow me on Instagram, you can hit the link in my bio. It will take you everywhere that I am. All right, y'all be well.